the other thing about grief, at least in my speculation, is that it doesn't seem like it's something that you can really get better at or like avoid happening or you know, again, hedge, reduce, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just like birth. Hmm. Birth happens to every one of us. Grief, death happens to every one of us. Mm. And it has a, it changes people. And it makes us who we are. I believe that all of our experiences, all of our challenges, all of our successes, all of the people in our lives, all of our circumstances, they are all perfectly tailored to make us the people that we are. Mm. And so we, if we took that experience out, we wouldn't be the same person that we are today. That was from my conversation exploring the walk of life with grief and end-of-life coach Jenny Diltz. As a certified grief and end-of-life coach, Jenny provides a safe space for people who have come with their struggles, pain, progress, victories, and joy. As a grief coach, Jenny's special interest areas are grief and suicide. Jenny meets people where they are without judgment and helps them get to where they want to be. She considers it a privilege to be a travel buddy in the journey of life, death, and grief. I really, really enjoyed my conversation with Jenny, so let's get over to it. As always, thank you to Misha Zarens for the music on today's show. Welcome to the Walk Show Podcast, Jenny Diltz. Thank you so much for joining. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing so well. Thank you so much for having me, Walker. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I was really excited to have you. Uh, your your work is something that is um, pretty near and dear to me, actually. Um, and that is that you are a grieving coach. Uh, and you have your website, grievingcoach.com. Um, you're on LinkedIn, Facebook. We'll have show notes and all that for, for all those links. But um, you're, you're really specifically working with people dealing with with loss and with grief um how did you kind of to start in that endeavor because that's a pretty a pretty heavy undertaking it is and for me it doesn't it doesn't necessarily feel heavy uh, to me it actually feels invigorating mm. um, i had an experience four years ago when i sat with a woman whose husband died suddenly and our children were in the same class at school and so when we found out that her husband had died, um, there was a meal train set up. And so I went to help out and deliver a meal. And um, as I talked with her, I listened to her story and the trauma and her experience and what was that, what that was really, really like for her. No flour coated, no, no sugar coated, no flowery, mm -hmm. nothing. It was, it was real experience. And that I was talking with my therapist afterwards about that experience. And he noticed the energy in my voice, the mm. excitement that I had about that experience. And he asked me, have you ever considered becoming a therapist? <laughs> and I said, well, yeah, but I have five kids, five young kids, and that's not going to be on the on the table right now that's not an option for me right now right 
Um, but I kept going back to this experience with my friend. Mm. And so I was talking with others, um, other friends and acquaintances about starting to support people in grief. Mm. And um, I knew I wanted to because sitting with my friend, it unlocked a passion for me Mm. And it showed me that I can sit in the trauma. I can sit in those complex, heavy, painful emotions. And people feel calm mm. when they're with me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that sounds like a really powerful experience, obviously, since it, it kind of spurred you into a, a, a career decision. Um, but beyond the, the career aspect of anything, the word that you use is passion. Um, and I think that's, that's really interesting. So, uh, an act, I don't know, the word activity doesn't sound right, but something you did that you've described is is listening. And um, obviously that's a very common word. I mean, anyone who's hearing this right now is doing that. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not something that's unfamiliar in any way. However, there is a very specific skill, I think, to listening to someone, especially in these kinds of contexts. And again, I, can you elaborate a bit on what, what that really looks like? So for me, I've been, um, I felt like I've been on the back in the background my whole life. Mm. I've been on the outside looking in, I've been the quiet one, the observer. Mm. So I've been practicing listening skills my whole life. <laughs> and so it just comes naturally to me Yeah. Um, because that's what I do. I listen. I observe. I, I take it like a sponge. I take everything in. Yeah. Well, and, and so that I guess that's kind of where I'm going is that, you know, um, again, everyone understands on some level how to listen. But I think that at least in my experience in, in working with, you know, coaches and counselors personally in my own life, it's also it's this capacity to to not try and solve it, right? To mm -hmm. not try and and say, oh, I've seen this and, you know, X or Y is how we fix that. It's, it's, it's really a lot of kind of teasing out more questions maybe and just kind of really inviting that other person to just get it all out, which again, sounds kind of cliche almost, but mm -hmm. it's harder to do as the listener than I think people <laughs> might think that it is. Um, and it's interesting that it comes to you so, so naturally, almost like you said, it's kind of, you know, your life experience. Mm -hmm. So whenever you talk about being invigorated by it, can you, can you describe maybe what, what, where does that, what is that invigoration? I mean, obviously you're not taking joy in, in the grief that these people are sharing or, or anything like that. So what is, where is that energy? How, what is the positive energy that you're pulling out of these experiences? So, um, that's an interesting concept because grief is is by definition it hurts yeah um so the invigoration comes from the connection and one time i was having this conversation with my therapist why why are you drawn to topics like grief like suicide like child loss why are you drawn to those heavy heavy topics and i mm. think it's because in those deepest darkest times in people's lives there are no walls there is so much pain, so much hurt, so much going on that all of the walls are are um, 
like they don't they don't have energy they don't have mental capacity mm, i got you to put up walls right and to be able to connect with people in that deep vulnerable intimate space mm. is an incredible gift to me yeah no it certainly is um people who've listened to the show for a while would would be familiar my dad passed away when i was 20 and I, i'm 37 now so it's it's been a long time ago um but yeah i mean it was something that was shocking to me at that time and um i didn't know that there were people to talk to about it other than people that i knew in my personal life you know mm -hmm. um and it took me i mean the better part of a couple of years to kind of deal with it. Um, and, I, and when I say that, I mean, and I, you know, certainly I don't mean to, <laughs> to act like I've perfectly handled it or something like that. I have, I have no idea. Someone else would have to psychoanalyze me to, <laughs> to determine that. Um, but it's something I'm now comfortable about talking about. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that I have offered kind of my journey to other people when they've gone through something similar. So I feel like I'm at least come to terms with it. You know what right. I mean? Um, but anyway, and, and so that's why I was so excited when 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 I had the opportunity to have you come on the show, because I, I think that it's it's a whenever grief hits and I think there's probably grades to it. And, and I don't mean to to measure anyone else's pain or anything like that. But, you know, for me, like, you know, I've had my my girlfriend break up with me or something before. Right. And like, mm -hmm. yeah, that sucks. It's different, though, than than the grief of death, because the grief of death is so unnegotiable. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it's really I just think it's so important for people to understand that, like, there are people like you that are out here available to help um, and that it's super valuable to talk to someone who's not intimately involved in whatever circumstance you're in. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. um, that objectivity is 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 really valuable. So in all this work that you've been doing, talking with grieving people, is there some element of grief that you don't think people are are aware of or that people are not including in discussions about the subject? Um, that's one of my main focuses now is actually grief education, mm. because oftentimes I find that people don't acknowledge the grief of a loss of a relationship or of moving house or changing countries or the loss of a headband even um mm. my daughter had an experience where she lost a headband that was really important to her it was about halloween time and um this headband was a cat it had cat ears on it mm. and she was really really distraught about losing this headband because we were on our way to the halloween party mm. and she didn't have this headband and it was a pretty strong grief reaction yeah. Well, now I feel like a complete jerk for just trying to measure <laughs> the breaking up girlfriend thing. And then you're like, well, it turns out actually people have grief for all sorts of reasons. And that's completely fair. And disregard what I said, please. But no, um, but there is there is like grief affects us individually. So right. the loss of so I don't have any remaining grandparents left. Hmm. Um, for some people that that could be like a huge crushing concept i right. i don't have my grandparents for me all right they're they've moved on to their next phase of life as i believe yeah. so for me the loss of 
my dreams was actually a bigger um, invoked a, a bigger grief response than the loss of death has. Mm. Granted, I haven't experienced the loss of anybody to affect me in my daily routines, like my husband, my children, my parents, not yet. Um, I've had some, <laughs> my dad is an engineer and he likes to play with his toys <laughs> and he likes mm. fire. <laughs> Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> he likes to weld. And uh, one time my mom sent a picture of his jacket and it was, it was like burned. Oh. And at that moment I thought, huh, my dad could have died. Right. But because of my belief system on the cycle of life and the journey of life, mm. I was able to see it as, hmm, that's, that would be, definitely be a different experience to me and i think i would be okay with it yeah hmm so i mean do you care to elaborate on what your your underlying belief about the cycle of life is so i believe that we didn't start life when we were born but mm. we existed our essence or our personality our our being existed even before then and so we came to um, to mortality to have this human experience. And then after we die, our essence, our personality, our soul, our, our spirit continues. Mm. So almost a sense of that the, the, the body is, um, is not the individual. And that while obviously this is very real, it's also temporary and not as you put it, the beginning or the end at death. Right. And I also believe that after we die, there will be a time of reuniting with mm. our bodies. Our our essence or our spirits will be reunited with our bodies. Mm. Um, so for me, it kind of shines a different light on death. Mm. That it, it's more of a transition period mm. than, a, than an ultimatum. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, you know, so for myself with my with my with my dad, kind of the way I was ultimately able to process it was, uh, or you know, come to terms with it, whatever words we want to use. It was more that I um, I came to understand that the reason that I was so devastated was because it meant so much, mm -hmm. right? And so, like, yes, this devastation is horrible, but it's evidence that this really, really mattered to me and that this was really, really awesome really every single day except the last one, <laughs> right? Yeah. So now that's not a conclusion I was able to get to, you know, in my case for a couple of years, right. but certainly I don't think that I could have, even if I would have been better prepared, I, you know, I don't think you can get there. Well, again, I won't say you, and I don't mean you personally, I meant the general you, but uh, yeah, yeah. I don't think I could have gotten there Um you know, within a day or in a week, right? I mean, even though intellectually maybe I could have understood it, emotionally I wouldn't have been able to. No, absolutely to not. There. And it's, in fact, I would say that it's not healthy to do that. Right. Um, because when the grief experience hits, when that loss happens or that change or that death, whatever the grief, whatever is um, bringing the grief response, mm -hmm. I believe that there has to be some intense processing first 
before mm. you can move on to all right i can i can make meaning in this i can i can find that there's some sunshine in the rain i can see that above the storms there's blue sky i can see that there's still stars in the darkness mm. but in order to get to that place i believe that we have to go through the darkness we have to get an appreciation of the darkness of the pain of the storms before we can move on to that place of finding the balance. Right. Yeah. No, I, I would agree with that. I feel like almost like, uh, and I'm not the expert here, so, <laughs> but I, I feel like it's almost like if a person doesn't do that, then it's kind of just like shelving it to come back later. You know, mm -hmm. like it's, it's kind of an unavoidable thing. Well, I don't mean to move away from the, the subject of death and, and, and I will probably circle back to it, but I'm, I'm really actually interested because that's where I took it. Cause that's my own, you know, I look, I look at the world through my own lens. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so that's my own relationship with it, but it's interesting to hear you describe, you know, the example with your daughter and her headband or just other things that people would grieve that maybe aren't like you said, moving or, or changing jobs or whatever the case may be. So when it's not just death, which is, again, a very, very severe, maybe, example, mm -hmm. how, how does, how does, um, how do you help people gr with grief when it's not something that's that final necessarily? The same way. I, the same way. Yeah. You lean into it. You acknowledge the grief. You do all of the messy, complicatedness that comes. Hmm you feel it you pound it out you mull it over in your head whatever your processing style is mm. and then you start to incorporate it you mm. start to learn the lessons that it wants to teach you you mm. start to ask how am i weaker because of this how do i need more support mm -hmm. how am i stronger than i thought i was Mm -hmm. What can I do now that I couldn't do before? Hmm. Were you able to help your daughter with the headband that night? I think so. Yeah. Um, I don't remember if it was that one, if that was my initial. Um, I don't remember if that one was the time that I thought, why is she, why is she going berserk over this headband? Hmm. Um, and another time, that it was like a, a minor loss that I recognized, oh, this is a grief reaction. Mm. I get grief. I, I know what to do. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't, I don't know if they were the same instance or different instances. Um, sure. But once I recognized that it was a grief reaction, I, I cuddled her. 
I, mm -hmm. I held her. I let her cry it out. I was with her with her with there with her mm -hmm. until the um, the tears subsided, the the strong emotions subsided. I held her through it. She leaned into it, process, processed it beautifully. Mm. And then she was able to release it. That's awesome. Hmm. So and now, again, I, I constantly feel like I'm apologizing to my listeners because I, 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 get, I get these, you know, I work on, on my own life and things like everyone does. And I'll come across these things that I kind of, you know, I, to say I get stuck on it is maybe an understatement. But, um, you know, and I work with a life coach myself and in my own coaching, something that we've been we started talking about several months ago now is is fear. And, um, I, I wasn't really aware of how many choices I was making out of trying to mitigate fear. Now I didn't always experience it as fear. Sometimes I experienced it as anger or frustration or something else, but mm -hmm. underlying it, it's, it's as fear. And, and so I, I preface all that to say when it comes to, to grief, how big of a factor is fear in that? Or is it not, is that not really congruent? I think it can be a big factor. Mm. Fear of the unknown, fear of what's going to happen now, fear mm. of what are the consequences, like what does life look like now, fear of, in my daughter's case, not being able to have the cat costume that she was hoping, planning, expecting for mm -hmm. this party. Um, fear of what do I do now? Who am I now? Mm. So I think fear can be jumbled in, in the grief pot as well. Right. Right. Well, so do you, I mean, are, whenever you're working with people, are you, are you helping them overcome like the fear and the anxiety or I guess, I guess, what does the process look like? I mean, obviously you've, you've explained that you start with this really deep listening and just offering kind of an emotional support and then kind of where does it go from there? It's a lot of asking questions, a lot of mm -hmm. active listening. Um, the way I see cli my clients and the people that I work with is I actually see them as the experts. They're the experts in their life mm -hmm. because they know what feels good to them, what resonates with them. They know their life history, their stories. They know what's going on here in their minds. Mm -hmm. They know how they feel. They know how they, they, they know what turns them on, turns them off. So I tap into the, to that resource mm. and we, when I sense resistance, when I sense e big emotions, I, I get in there with, pull up my sleeves and, and get in there and we work on it and we discover what's, what's behind the fear, what's behind the tears, how is this impacting you? Mm. What does this really mean in your life? So something I noticed on your website is that you're obviously you, you kind of specialize in, in grief and, and loss, but you're also a life coach. Mm -hmm. um, so you can help people outside of, of just this specific window. Do you find that there are parallels between those two or is grief coaching more I mean, separate and different from regular coaching? 
So the coaching training program that I went through, coaching at the end of at end of life, um, actually certified me as a grief coach end of life coach, including mm. death and dying and life coach. Because one session is not always about pure grief. Mm-hmm. It's working on goals. What action steps can I take to move forward in my life? It's mm. how can I overcome these resistances? Mm. And life coaching is not generally not 100% life coaching. It's there's grief coming in. I was sad about this. This is a loss. This is a change mm-hmm. that I have to deal with and get over and and new, find, figure out how to work through this. Mm. So they're pretty, they are pretty similar then in the approach because ultimately it's like you said, helping to understand a context and then really providing action steps to, to try and, and move forward. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it's really interesting. Um, when you talk about action steps, just because I, a, a long time ago on the show, I said something of the nature of like, everyone understands that you would not act without thinking, right? Like you wouldn't just turn and walk into a wall, right? You want to think mm-hmm. about where you're walking. But I do think that there's also a point to be made that, that it's not healthy. Maybe a lot of times to think without acting, right? Getting lost in just the, the swirl of thoughts without any action steps to take can kind of lead to the same outcome as just acting without thinking. Um, have you found action is a pretty important part of, of the coaching process when it comes to grief or? Definitely. Mm. Um, it's fine. Again, it's finding that balance of mm-hmm. acting without thinking and thinking without acting. Right. Yep. Yeah. There's <laughs> always a balance to things, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Um, so, are there any, you know, when we're talking about action steps, are there specific techniques? You know, I, I know in my own experience with, you know, I've interviewed many different coaches and some psychologists. And then again, I personally, you know, work with a coach myself. And there are some common practices um, that I see, like, you know, whether it be meditation or prayer or whether it be journaling or um, exercising or affirmative statements or whatever that may be. Do you have any any actions that, that you found have worked really well for you and your clients? I let my clients define their actions or come up with their actions. Mm. So in my coaching sessions, I always ask them, what do you need to do? What's your action step? What's your homework for this week? Mm. And I also provide a writing prompt Mm. so that they can process what we've talked about in the session, Mm -hmm. take it home with them for their homework, continue processing it and hash it out in more detail and as a bridge to the next session. Mm. And so, you know, we've been talking a lot about you're dealing with people who are, are dealing with grief. Um, are you ever dealing with someone who is maybe coming towards the end of their life? So not, not the family member of someone that's passed maybe, but someone who's maybe got a terminal illness or, or something of that nature. Have you ever worked with people like that? I haven't yet. Mm. Uh, but that doesn't mean that I'm not open to it. Mm-hmm. Like I said in my training, I learned the skills to be an end-of-life coach, including helping people um, go towards dying and helping people with death. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just not 
it doesn't have the same passion, the same calling, the same. Mm, I got you. I got you. Doesn't resonate with you as directly as, as, right. as the grief. Yeah, that right. makes sense. So this is kind of a strange question, but it was something I had thought of when I was was preparing to, to, to talk with you. You know, I know when my dad passed away, um, obviously everyone that's close in my life knew pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But then there are all these people that like, maybe I only see him once every few months or something. And it got to be this, it almost felt like a routine to me where I see someone I haven't seen in a while. I inform them that that has happened or whatever. They then say, you know, that they're sorry and they offer condolences. And I, like, I, they were all being really nice and generous and thoughtful. So this isn't a complaint about those people that were offering those Mm -hmm. condolences, but it got to a point where it just felt like this almost dreaded routine for me because I'm going to tell you because the circumstances of my life have changed pretty dramatically. So I feel like I should tell you this, Mm -hmm. but then them is the person hearing that they don't know what to say. I don't know. I don't have something I wish they would say either, but -hmm. they don't know what to say. And then it's not really awkward, but it's just kind of like, it was something I just kind of wanted to get past, right? Just get yeah. through. But I didn't like that either, you know? Like, I felt like I was almost being dismissive of their condolence because it's not their fault that they didn't know, right? Mm-hmm. Is that something that, that experience, is that something that's common with people? And and or how do you overcome that? Um, that's why I feel so passionate about grief education. Mm. To decrease the stigma of grief and death. Mm. Because it is a common part of humanity. Mm-hmm. We all face grief. We all face death. Mm. And the more we can openly talk about it and share our stories and share, congratulations, you're human. Right. The less awkwardness, stigma, like, uh, I don't know what to say to you. Right. Because it's it's some like big elephant in the room, and we don't really know how to. We, we try and step around it and try and yeah. ignore it that it's there, but if we just say, "Hey, there's an elephant in the room," right, then it becomes less less awkward for everybody involved. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. This question is kind of strange, and it might be completely outside of the work that you've done. So if so, that that's completely fair. Um, there was other podcast I was listening to at some point and in it, there's a lady who's, who's being interviewed about um, death, but she actually talks about very specifically like the moment of death. And she's talking about, uh, she's explaining how about, I don't know, 150 years ago, like beginning around the civil war is when she explains it. Um, that that's really when embalming the dead became a popular practice because people are fighting in the civil war and then they need to come back home, you know, via train at that time to to have a funeral. And so embalming became popular for lack of a better word so that they could preserve the bodies to have the funerals. But then obviously that only lasts for so long. And now there's this whole industry of embalmers set up. And so they kind of go around the country just kind of promoting this practice and we're at a point now where you know if uh, if someone were to die in the home 
and again, I'm making some drawing some conclusions here, making some assumptions, but I think most people, and certainly myself would be like this, would think like, oh, I need to get a hold of, you know, medical help or 911 or something to, mm -hmm. to deal with, with the body. And her point is that um, the body isn't like, you know, yes, of course, you know, over time it would become unsafe, but within the first couple of hours, like nothing happens, right? Like it's not like it's immediately like emitting illness or, or something. Um, and so she really strongly recommends that people sit with the body for, mm -hmm. again, not for weeks on end or something, but for a period of time and just kind of really, really experience that moment. Um, and she compares it to, to seeing someone be being born, right? Like there's these really profound moments that we have mm -hmm. that you can't get them again, you know? Right. Um, anyway, I, I've gone on too long, but is that something that you're familiar with at all? Like the, this idea of like sitting with the body, is that a practice you're familiar with? Do you promote that? Yeah. Um, I promote whatever works for the individual mm. because while grief is, is a universal concept, everybody deals with grief and death. It's also very, very individual. Mm. What 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 works for one person, absolutely will not work for somebody else. Mm. Um, so it's the work that I do is largely tapping in to that individuality. What are my preferences? What do I want? What am I okay with? What am I not okay with? What will help me in this journey? This may be similar to the answer that you'd given before, but I also noticed on your website that you also talked about the ability to deal with with people or help people that are, are having, um, and now I'm, I actually wrote it down because I hadn't seen the word, uh, that are struggling with suicide ideation. Does that mean people who are considering suicide? So I am not so much a fan of suicide prevention, mm. but... I do I do have a powerful connection if you like for lack of a better word I feel drawn to people who have been affected by suicide also mm. um, either through suicide attempts of their own attempts helping them through the grief through the healing process afterwards okay um, and people who have been affected by suicide loss mm. Um, I tell, I tell people that I'm not so far, I'm not so great at planning and preparing and setting up for things, but I'm great about picking the pieces up afterwards. 
well, with five kids, you've got a lot of practice at that, right? <laughs> yeah. So planning, like planning a vacation or making sure that we have everything packed and ready and scheduled and on time and we have all the things that we need. Not my specialty yet. <laughs> right. But coming back and enjoying the vacation, coming back from the vacation or picking up the pieces when there's trauma or when a kid slams a finger in the door, whatever, like mm -hmm. picking up the pieces after the mess mm. is, is what I'm consider myself better at right now. Right. <laughs> right. So, you know, whenever I was, when I, you know, I, I keep going back to my own story, but whenever I, my dad had first passed away, I, I remember it just, it was just this feeling of, it was just constant, right? It was just this constant looming thing. And it, I never thought about, you know, um, hurting myself or anything like that, but it was just, it was nonstop. And it, it, it didn't, it didn't seem like there was a way out. Now, obviously there, there ultimately was. The reason I say this though, is just that, you know, if there's someone out here that, that's listening to us right now that feels that kind of persistence of this grief, is there anything that you would tell them that they could do now in this moment to, to help alleviate that? Allow it to come. Mm. Whatever they, uh, whatever way that looks like for you. Allow the grief to happen. If there is, and I, I can totally understand the desire to be with a loved one after they die, to want so badly to be with them wherever they are. Mm -hmm. If there is a plan in place to hurt either yourself or others, and you have the means to carry out that plan. Please, please, please seek immediate help. Mm. Otherwise, you're normal. Congratulations. Grief hurts. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there's not really a way for it to, you know, that's something else that I've been been considering. You know, I'm fortunate enough that my mom is still with me and, um, you know, I'm, I'm planning on another 50 years or a hundred years or however long we could make it. But, um, but it's certainly something I consider as I, as you know, her and I both continue to age and, and get older. I, I consider that. And despite this profound experience I had with losing my father when I was 20. And despite, um, like I said earlier, feeling like I've come to terms with that and can talk about it openly and, and, and even maybe offer help to someone else in, in some small way. I also, lately have come to understand that that in no way hedges against the grief that I, that I know will be there. If my mom, something were happened with her. Right. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean to make this all about me, but my point is just that like the other thing about grief, at least in my speculation is that it doesn't seem like it's something that you can really get better at or like avoid happening or you know, again, hedge reduce. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like birth. Mm. Birth happens to every one of us. Grief, death happens to every one of us. Mm. And it has a, it changes people. And it makes us who we are. I believe that all of our experiences, all of our challenges, 
all of our successes, all of the people in our lives, all of our circumstances, they are all perfectly tailored to make us the people that we are. Mm. And so we, if we took that experience out, we wouldn't be the same person that we are today. Right. Yeah, no, I would, I would definitely agree with that. Um, you know, is there, and, and we may have kind of addressed this to some extent, but is there a way that you think that people can turn the negative feelings of grief into more positive feelings? Yes and no. Okay. When, let's say like when your dad died, even if you were to find someone, another male role model like your dad, and try and, and fit that that person into the hole that mm -hmm. your dad left, it might fill most of it, but it wouldn't fit it exactly the same way that your dad did. Mm -hmm. And so while it's, it may not be as big of a hole, there's, there's still remnants there. There's mm -hmm. still a scar there. Mm -hmm. And uh, just with our, uh, just as with our body, the scars, sometimes they still really hurt. Mm. Sometimes they heal over just fine, but we still have that. And there, and there's not much pain, but we still have that scar. Mm hmm. Gotcha. So it's kind of the same thing. It's, it's, it's ultimately, um, it's permanent. <laughs> it's permanent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I, I've noticed also in our conversation, um, you know, you spoke about not really wanting to use the language of, of prevention. Um, and there's, be, there's been a few other things that you've said that, that are very specific and nuanced in how you, you frame these things. So would you say that someone who's grieving needs is broken, needs fixing, needs, needs to get over it? Is anything like that? No. And in fact, I, I teach people that I don't help people get over that because I don't believe that happens. I don't believe that ever mm. happens. I help people get to know it, mm. build a relationship with it, figure out how it works with them, how it shows up in their bodies, how it shows up in their personalities, in their lives. Get to know it, metabolize it, um, incorporate it, and allow it to be our teacher mm. so that it can show us the things that we are, the things that we keep resisting in our lives, the things that we can do to grow. Right. So when you're working with these people, are you working primarily with individuals one-on-one? -on -one? Are you working in groups with like families? How does that look? So I do both individual and group. Um, as of right now, my, my individual clients are eight week sessions. Mm. I mean, eight, eight, not eight weeks, eight sessions is, is the program that I offer right now. Eight or three, depending on what they need and depending on how much handholding they need. Mm. Um, and then I offer grief education workshops mm. where we can talk about these concepts of grief as universal 
phenomenon, a universal part of being human mm. and how we process it and incorporate it individually. Awesome. Well, that's so, and then are you working with people only in your local area or are you able to work with people remotely? Um, blessings of pandemic. <laughs> right. I, I'm connecting with people all over the world. Mm. Awesome. So, um, you know, like I mentioned at the very beginning of the show, we've got your website, grievingcoach.com, uh, your Facebook, your LinkedIn. I'll have links in, in the show notes so people can just click directly on that. But is there anywhere else that you would like people to, to connect with you or anywhere else they should be going? So I've done a lot of collaboration with the nonprofit organization Reimagine. Mm. And that's where I host most of my workshops. Um, I also have a, a podcast of my own called Share Your Story, Exploring One Human. Uh, share your story exploring humanity one heart at a time um and i host that in the reimagined community as well awesome um well that's 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 really that's really that's really cool so i guess with the podcast who what kind of guests and stuff are you having on your on your podcast a variety of people um so what I do is I have the live interview in the Reimagine community as a live event, and then mm. I take the podcast and I edit it, and then I publish it in the more public podcast. Right. Um, the podcast or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The um, endless apps that they're available on. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <clears throat> cool. Um, so I've had, I have two up publicly working on my third. Um, the first one is... Um, from a grief educator, Dave Roberts, and he's, his daughter died uh, when she was 18 from cancer. Um, the next one was with Boss Lebesque, and his mother died when he was 12 of cancer. Um, and the one that I'm working on now is with Larry Indiviglia, met his partner as she was starting her road to transitioning. She had stage four cancer. And he wrote a book, um, 121 days, 15 seconds or something like that. Um, anyways, his, his book is a memoir of his time with his partner, Gail, mm. and what he learned about life and love and choosing to support Gail and be with her even when he knew that they didn't have much time together. Right. So those are the first three that I have um, public or near public. Um, I've also interviewed people on, on the, the spirit and the hope that their ancestors gave their, mm -hmm. their African ancestors gave them and brought with them from Africa. Um, I've interviewed people on mental health Um suicide attempts, trauma, mm. um, cancer survivors, um, other grief workers. I have scheduled more people who have lost their children. I have people talking about their transition from coaching into the business world. Like, so I have a lot of 
a lot of variety mm-hmm. on the show. And my intention for the show is to create a place for people to come and share their stories, share mm-hmm. their experiences, because connection is so important to me mm-hmm. that um, it's in, and I find this in my grief work too, when we connect, when we share our stories, we not only express it and get it out of our space, but our, uh, the people listening or the people receiving mm-hmm. can gain wisdom, insight, hope from mm-hmm. what we've gone to, to help them in what they're going through. Yeah, no, I think that's really powerful um, that you're, you're doing that podcast. And, and I think the variety of guests that you've, that you've listed there is, is also tremendous because really what you just said, it, it, I think that especially when things are going when things are going bad or when things are going rough, it's really um, probably naturally human, but really easy to think that like, I'm the only one that's dealt with this before. Mm -hmm. And while everyone's unique circumstances, their own unique circumstance, and that's true, it's probably not true that this is the first time this problem has ever been encountered in human life. Right. Right. Um, And so that's really powerful for you to have that because it just, it just gives people so many different windows to maybe see, either their situation or something similar to their situation to then understand that like, it doesn't make it easier, but it does mean you're not alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that That's I think hugely important. Um, one, one other thing I wanted to ask you about that I, I again encountered on your website, but and again, I hope I'm not misstating what, what I understood it to be, but you had a, a little short video kind of explaining, you know, grief transformation, and then there's a place where people can just enter their name and email address. And then do you send them a, a kind of a, a video series mm-hmm. on how they, can you explain what that is? So there's, it's a three part video series. Um, the first part is just the intro to this, this short video course. Um, the videos include leaning into the grief, hmm. balancing the grief and the gratitude and reestablishing connection in whatever way that looks like for you. Hmm. Cool. Well, that's awesome. Well, I, I just, I wanted to bring that up because, um, I, I, I just, I think it's super neat that there's a resource like that, that people don't, you know, I think a lot of times you would probably know this more than, than me, of course, but just like the rest of the conversation, um, people can feel guarded about their, the way they're feeling as well. Right. And so mm-hmm. maybe talking to someone feels like a, a bridge too far in the moment, but maybe just knowing that like, Hey, you can at least get this content that's designed to, to kind of walk you through some of the ways that we're thinking about this. And then maybe that, then they're more comfortable to, to reach out and, and, and speak with someone. Right. Um, well, well, Jenny, I gotta tell you, I, I just, I think, like I said, at the very beginning and throughout, I think the work that you're doing is, is so important and meaningful and powerful. Um, and I don't say that to flatter you. I really having, you know, having dealt with my own experience, um, which, Again, not that I'm the only one that's <laughs> had some traumatic experience like that either, but I just know how valuable something like this is, and and it's it's you know my honor and privilege to be able to have you on to share your message and your work and to to promote, as you said earlier, this idea of getting away from the stigmas of grief and getting away from you know oh I don't want to burden other people with it and, mm-hmm. oh I don't want to say the wrong thing to the person who is experiencing it and let's get it out in the open and talk about it. Um, Again, really, really appreciate th- this opportunity. 
is there anything that we haven't talked about yet? Is there anything that you would like to share that I, I didn't didn't get to or didn't ask you? The one thing that I would like to leave on or an ending note, you mentioned my video course on my website. I'm also very active on LinkedIn and I post very regularly. Um, so that's another place where people can come and read my thoughts or read information about grief um, without having to talk with somebody or to interact with anybody. They can do it on their own time. Mm -hmm. So that's another place. Um, and I try and, and cross post it to Facebook as well. Sometimes I'm not as great as doing that. Um, no. um, but there is quite a bit in LinkedIn. Okay, cool. The ending suggestion or advice or nugget that I'd like to leave with people is wherever you're at, that's exactly where you need to be. Mm. And your whole journey up to this point has gotten you to this point, has gotten you to where you are now. And there's always room for improvement. There's always other mountains to climb. And you're perfectly fine exactly where you need to be. Mm. Well, that's really awesome. Um, well, well, Jenny, again, thank you so much for your time this evening. I really enjoyed the opportunity to talk with you. Um, again, I'll have links in the show notes for everyone to, to find the website, the LinkedIn and the Facebook. Um, and I hope anyone out there that's listening, that's going through something, will, will take advantage of this because um, it, there really is a way to not feel <laughs> this overwhelming feeling. Um, and as, as Jenny just said, you, you know, you, you are where you need to be kind of thing. So um, again, Jenny, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you, Walker. This has been amazing. Just go with the 
Alright folks, well that's going to do it for the show today. Thank you so much again to Jenny Diltz for stopping by. Again, you can find her website, grievingcoach.com. I've got links for all those things in the show notes. Of course, thank you to Misha Zarens for the music, and last but not least, thank you listener. I'd also encourage you to check out my other podcast, Pick Up Your Sticks, which is co-hosted by me and Brett Lindley. Pick Up Your Sticks is a podcast about video games where we talk about why gaming matters. You can find Pick Up Your Sticks on any podcast platform. Again, I appreciate the listen. Have a great week. Stay up. <laughs>